This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question asks if I can analyze the mental health and personality factors that may be at work in the case of Allison Baden-Clay. Just a reminder, I'm not diagnosing anybody in this video, only speculating about what could be happening in a situation like this. If you enjoy this video, please like it, subscribe to my channel, and consider supporting me on Patreon. I'll put the link to Patreon in the description for this video. First, I'll look at the background of this case, move to the timeline of the crime, then take a look at the mental health and personality factors. Starting with the background, Alison Baden-Clay was born in Australia in 1968. Gerard Baden-Clay was born in the United Kingdom in 1970, but spent his early childhood in Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. Gerard's great-grandfather was Lieutenant General Baden-Powell of the British Army, best known for founding the Boy Scouts. When Gerard was 10, his family moved to Australia. After graduating from college with a degree in business, he went to work as a bookkeeper for a travel company. This is where he met Allison. The couple married in 1997, and they had three daughters. Gerard was active in the Scouts, but for his full-time job, he became a real estate agent, eventually becoming a franchisee for Century 21, a well-known real estate brokerage. In 2007, 38-year-old Tony McHugh started working at Gerard's company. By August 2008, they were having an affair. In November 2009, Tony McHugh separated from her husband. In 2011, Allison found out about Tony. Gerard broke off the relationship with Tony and fired her. Two months later, he told Tony he loved her and he promised to leave his wife. So the affair was back on. Gerard actually had several different affairs. He wasn't shy about this later on in his testimony at trial. Gerard had a number of problems in his business. He was losing money. He borrowed $270,000 from his brother and three friends and borrowed money from others as well. He never repaid those loans. He was almost $1 million in debt. This takes us to the timeline of the crime. Gerard called the police and reported Allison missing at 7.15 a.m. on April 20, 2012. He claimed that Allison must have gone for a walk at around 5 a.m. because she did this on occasion. When she did not return to have breakfast with her daughters, which she normally would have done, he grew concerned. When the police arrived, they noticed that Gerard had scratches on his face. He said they were caused by shaving. It was clear the scratches did not come from shaving, but that wasn't the only evidence that raised suspicion. No blood was found on Gerard's razor. The house was cleaned. He had red marks on his neck. He said he crushed a caterpillar that was crawling on him. Now, one report made it sound like he said a caterpillar attacked him. So I was wondering, like, did he owe the caterpillar money or something? But it wasn't the caterpillar attacking. The caterpillar, I guess, crawled on him and he crushed it with his hand. So essentially, caterpillar homicide. Now, Gerard had cuts on his hands. He said that these came from changing a light bulb. So here we see he's really starting to phone it in, not putting efforts into his excuse development. When he was asked about marks on his chest and shoulder, he didn't even bother offering an explanation. 
Gerard said that everything was fine in his marriage. Of course, that was not true. He did a Google search for the words right to silence. Considering his numerous mysterious injuries, he should have searched adjusting to life in prison. The police said he was not straightforward, and eventually, Allison's blood was found in her SUV. He told the police that on the night of Allison's disappearance, he went to bed at 10 p.m. and did not get up until 6 a.m., yet the police found out that his iPhone had been connected to a charger at 1.48 a.m. I'm surprised Gerard didn't say that Caterpillar was having an affair with his phone charger, so the Caterpillar plugged it in to frame him. Allison's body was found 10 days later at Colo Creek on the creek bed under a bridge, a little over eight miles from the couple's home in Brookfield. The cause of death could not be determined because of decomposition. When Gerard found out that the body had been discovered, he called about her life insurance policy. It was an $800,000 policy. Investigators found leaves in her hair that were eventually connected to the Baden Clay home. They were not connected to the area around the creek. Gerard was charged with murder and interfering with the corpse in June of 2012. After a trial in 2014, he was convicted of the murder charge and the other charge was dropped. He was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole after 15 years. In 2015, he appealed his conviction and it was downgraded to manslaughter. It was based on this theory that during the physical confrontation with Allison, he struck her but did not intend to cause serious physical harm. She perhaps died as a result of hitting her head after falling or something like that. Gerard went into a panic and disposed of the body in the creek, hoping it would be washed away. The prosecution filed an appeal in 2016. Gerard's original sentence was restored. Now moving to the mental health and personality factors. I'm not aware of any mental health diagnosis that Gerard had been given. Allison had been diagnosed with depression and anxiety. She took antidepressants that apparently reduced her sex drive. This was something that Gerard complained about. What motivated Gerard to kill his wife at this particular time? Well, the next day, Allison and Tony McHugh were planning on attending the same conference. Tony demanded to know if Gerard was really serious about leaving Allison. In a sense, she offered him an ultimatum. It seems reasonable to believe that Gerard was not looking forward to Allison and Tony talking at that conference. A second possible motive is, of course, the life insurance policy. A third possible motive ties in with the therapy they received. Allison and Gerard had gone to a relationship counselor. The counselor worked a deal with the couple, which said that Allison could express her feelings about the affair in a brief session every other day. The first time they had one of these sessions was the night before Allison disappeared. Apparently, it did not go well. It turned into a bit of an interrogation, which is just one reason this strategy is typically a bad idea. Asking questions about the affair only leads to pain. It seems like a good idea at first glance, like it's an opportunity for somebody to come clean and for all the facts to get out in the open, but it often turns into a disaster. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Something is creeping in. Don't follow it down. Let me introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. The type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now, you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son, who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. The details do not bring peace. They only cause anger. The person who cheated can never provide details about the affair that will make the betrayed party feel better. Now again, the deal was to have this brief session every other day. But the night of Allison's disappearance, she started asking questions again. She wanted more details. What we really see in Allison is somebody that was really suffering because of this affair. Back in 2011, when the affair was discovered, the couple reached an agreement that stated he would not go out at night without Allison's approval. He had to provide Allison the password to his phone and install a GPS app and give her the login credentials for that app. Even with all those safeguards, he continued to have affairs. So there's this theory that Gerard was narcissistic. It's not hard to see where that could come from. Much of his behavior seems to point in that direction. Let's take a look at some of his behavior and characteristics. Gerard seemed to have superficial charm. Tony McHugh said that she was attracted to him because of his integrity. He was also manipulative. Tony was in a 17-year relationship that was failing. They started talking about their problems together one of the first indications that an affair is going to start. It is important to note that they were both culpable in the affair, so one could argue they were both manipulative. We know that Gerard was not authentic. He lived a lie. He wanted to be the center of attention and believed he was superior. Many people disliked him immediately upon meeting him, but other people really liked him. I think this is one of the ways that narcissists can really survive and even thrive. There's a portion of the population that will look at them and see somebody successful, somebody they want to be friends with, and not really understand the narcissism or care about it. It's almost like a significant portion of the population just doesn't have the insight or the knowledge about narcissism, and the other portion does. Again, they looked at him, and right away they knew that he was not a desirable companion or acquaintance. Narcissists don't have to fool everybody. They just have to fool enough people to get what they want. We see that Gerard was condescending. He often degraded his wife and called her lazy. He was callous. During the trial, he said he tricked Tony into believing he wanted to be with her, but the relationship was just physical. He was simply using her. He believed he was special. He used to promote himself regularly, mentioning his lineage to Lord Baden-Powell, prominently displaying a portrait of him and showing off other items connected to his great-grandfather. He even gave presentations to school children about his great-grandfather's legacy. The next question here is, could this murder have occurred because of 
narcissistic rage. So whenever we have narcissism, we have the potential for rage. This is certainly a possibility. When narcissistic rage leads to murder, it is often in the context of a close relationship, like a romantic relationship, in which unresolved conflict causes attachment problems for the perpetrator. The pride of the perpetrator is injured. There is this displacement of emotion onto the victim. It's not really the same thing as anger. Narcissistic rage is distinctive. Anger is goal-directed. It is caused by frustration of purpose. Narcissistic rage is not about overcoming some type of obstacle. Rather, it's an explosive, affective state in response to a perceived injury. Narcissistic rage has the potential to be extremely dangerous. It's an attack without limits. Anger is dangerous, but sometimes people can regulate how much anger they express. Most of the time, people can. Narcissistic rage is harder to control because in a way, from the point of view of the person in that rage, it is self-defensive. The person is trying to protect their ego. They feel threatened. When somebody is fighting for their life, or they believe they're fighting for their life, they do not worry about using excessive force. They're okay with using all the force they can muster. The last point I want to make is about the nature of people who engage in serial infidelity and the nature of their victims. Gerard was willing to lie and use people to get what he wanted. Again, he had a long history of affairs. People like this often target people who are desperate and afraid. In this case, we see this with both Allison and Tony. Allison had written in a journal, I don't want to be alone. I'm afraid of being alone and lonely, maybe because I think I can't handle it. She went on to write that she was afraid of how people would think of her if she had a failed marriage. She was afraid of losing Gerard when she should have been afraid of being with him. Gerard was able to play on her fears. Similarly, Tony was desperate and afraid. Gerard was able to tap into the worst part of those willing to have an affair with him, their own desperation and selfishness. Tony would say that she loved Gerard unconditionally. That's always a red flag. There should always be some type of condition on that type of relationship. She thought that they would have a normal future together, be happy together. At the same time, of course, it would seem that she was disregarding Allison's feelings. So here we see self-centeredness. Gerard was able to tap into Tony's desperation and inability or unwillingness to think about the situation rationally. He was able to extend his fantasy to include her. So she would experience the fantasy along with him. It was a shared fantasy. People who engage in serial infidelity say to themselves, I deserve better, I deserve more, and I can have it all. People who cheat with them start to believe the same thing. So what lesson can we learn from this case? The narcissist will take everything they can. If the partner of the narcissist says to them, I'm going to make you number one in my life, the narcissist will respond, hey, that's great, that works out perfectly. I will work to make me number one as well. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present 
If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.